Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mailing It, the official podcast of the United States Postal Service. I'm your co-host, Dale Parsan. And I'm Yasmin DiGiulio. In this episode, we're going to talk about the unique challenges that come with being in charge of health and safety for an organization that has more than 650,000 employees, 32,000 facilities, and 225,000 vehicles. That organization is, of course, the U.S. Postal Service. Yasmin, when, when you think about it, the Postal Service combines at least half a dozen industries into one. You know, transportation, obviously, logistics, but everything from distribution, retail, healthcare, there are probably many more. And here to talk to us about how she manages all of that is this episode's guest, Linda DiCarlo. Linda is the Senior Director of Occupational Safety and Health at the Postal Service. Linda, welcome. Thank you, Dale and Yasmin. Linda, why don't we start by telling everyone a little about your role at the Postal Service? Well, thanks, Dale. My job is the Senior Director of Occupational Safety and Health, which means I oversee all aspects of safety, injury compensation, reimbursements, and medical services. So we run the gamut and touch every employee almost every day. So do we have doctors and nurses as part of our organization? Yes, the organization is is amazing. We've got doctors, nurses, economists, lawyers, carriers, distribution clerks. <laughs> you name it, we've got it. You've got it. So as Dale mentioned, health and safety at an organization like the Postal Service has a lot of different moving parts. How do you manage something that's as important as health and safety for an organization that is so large and diverse? Well, we, we sort of look at it as a three-phased approach. It's early, often, and predictive. We want to make sure that as soon as an employee is hired onto the Postal Service, they understand what their risks are or what they may experience as part of their job. That starts as early as providing videos that really show you what a letter carrier does, what a clerk does in a plant, so that you have a sense going in on what's going to be expected. And then we continuously talk about safety. Every day when you're in the workplace, you'll see somebody walking around, making sure that they are abating any hazards that might arise, making sure that all the electrical covers are are the proper way. We're really doing that on an everyday basis. Plus, we've got our local supervisors that spend a great deal of time in the morning really talking about what kind of safety issues are happening in that particular location. And then, of course, when bad things happen and we have an accident, we use that data to sort of predict what steps we need to put into place to prevent it from happening to somebody else. So I'm imagining a lot of uh, a lot of checks, not just behind a computer screen, but also in person. Are there things that we do at post offices, plants, facilities uh, on a daily basis? Oh, absolutely. We've got people walking around every day, checking exit doors, fire extinguishers. We've got a, a vast cadre of safety professionals out in the field that their job is to really be the boots on the ground. My role at a national level is much more of an oversight policy uh, perspective, but we do get out there and do some safety inspections of our buildings. We take a look at every new piece of equipment that's deployed out in our facilities. We look at every vehicle. Uh, we look at every work practice. You know, if there's one way of doing a particular job and it's causing an ergonomic hazard, we will reevaluate how to do that work so that we're trying to make things as safe as possible for our employees. But, you know, as you said earlier, the unexpected always comes up. <laughs> so in going back to your three phases, let's talk about the early and often. To me, that really talks more about training, the upfront stuff. So what are some of the more detailed things that we include in employee training? You know, when, when you first come on board with the Postal Service, depending on your job, 
uh, you know, obviously there's less safety training needed for some of us with desk jobs than there is for our letter carriers who are out on the street and exposed to all sorts of hazards that you wouldn't really think about. You've got issues like weather, you know, heat, rain, snow, ice, hurricanes, tornadoes, you name it. You also have strange things like wild turkeys on the route that will chase your vehicle. Uh, we talk a lot about dogs. You know, National Dog Bite Awareness Week was just uh, a week ago. Uh, we teach them about how to use their satchel to protect themselves from dogs. We also talk about just um, random things like, you know, sidewalks and how to recognize hazards and what to do about them when they see them. And to that end, a lot of uh, new technology enhancements have helped with that. We've given our carriers and our employees a way to let us know of a hazard so that we can step in and try to take care of it before somebody does get hurt. With all of the new technology that's available to workers and even regular people, such as mail carriers now having these mobile delivery devices that you mentioned, how does that impact safety? The mobile delivery device has been a fantastic implement to help with safety. Uh, One of the major features of it is called a hazard report. And this hazard report can be as basic as being able to put, you know, um, bees are in front of a particular mailbox so I couldn't deliver. What that does is it puts in that system message through a geofence. So if Yasmin, today you put in the hazard, but tomorrow, Dale, you're delivering her route, as soon as you get close, you get a buzz that says, hey, watch out for the bees. You know, some of the the cuter ones that we see are about dogs. And I know I've talked a lot about dogs, but we've seen some that'll say, hey, just be careful at this address. Fluffy likes to hide behind the car. (laughs) She doesn't bite, but she will like to scare you. Spook you so it, it'll, it'll alert somebody to a hazard. It also has features that will allow us to provide training. We send reminder messages, especially during the hot, hot uh, months. We'll send a message to say, hey, did you drink enough water today? Or, hey, did you remember to wear your sunscreen? Just those little quick reminders that in your busy day you might have let slip. So, Linda, you've mentioned about all the ways that technology helps improve safety with the Postal Service, but have you found instances where technology actually leads to accidents, such as distracted driving with your mobile phone or listening to headphones and, and not being aware of your surroundings? A- absolutely. And, and you know, as, as much as we all cannot live without our cell phones and our iPads and our AirPods and whatever else they're called, um, we do find that, that that becomes a distraction. And when you're out in the public and you're out in situations that could lead to harm, we need to limit those distractions in any way possible. You know, so even when we're talking about the mobile delivery device and the alerts, we have to walk a fine line on how many are too many alerts because we don't want to create a safety hazard by using that technology at the same time. So even though you have a cell phone, we won't call you on your cell phone while you're on your route. The mobile delivery device won't give an alert while the vehicle's in motion above a certain speed because distraction really is what leads to most accidents. As I said, they're not on purpose. It's that momentary lapse in your thought process that leaves you open for those kind of situations. Cell phones, headphones, we really need to be aware of our surroundings at all times. And I think that's a message for everybody. How many times do you see somebody just driving to the grocery store, they're on their phone, eating a burger, fixing their (laughs) lipstick, all at the same time while trying to drive 55 miles an hour. Yeah. I think the most entertaining are when they leave their cups of coffee on top of the car. Absolutely. (laughs) I'd rather they left their cell phone on the top of the car. (laughs) 
now that we're talking about it, I'm imagining, you know, everything else we deal with, I mean, just the human factor alone. They're on the road. They're out and about. They're dealing with other drivers, other hazards like construction, things that just happen in, in the blink of an eye. And when you exacerbate that across or you expand that across the entire country, there can really be things happening at any point to a postal employee all across the country. Absolutely. You know, we always think, uh, as an example, weather. You know, you think, okay, wintertime, because I live here on the on the East Coast, there's going to be snow and ice. Well, snow and ice is not happening in Hawaii and Southern California. So it, it makes it a challenge to really communicate the, the issues that we want our employees to pay attention to. You know, I'll issue a, a stand-up talk or a training on, on ice and snow, but if I send that to California, I've sort of given them a reason not to listen to me anymore. <laughs> so, you know, we really have to get to the point where we're talking at a local level about a, a broad topic such as weather. This way, you, a postmaster in Southern California, can talk about maybe wind and dust or wildfires, things that may not happen somewhere else across the country, but you can tailor it to what your employees need on any given day. One thing I can imagine being challenging is driving the vehicles and you're sitting on the wrong side of the car than what you're used to in your personal life. Yeah, unless you're from England, uh, you really don't have a perspective of driving from the right-hand side of a vehicle, let alone not only are we asking you to drive, but we're asking you to know where you are, see all the addresses, have the mail prepared to deliver in a box. So it's not just driving down the road and keeping the curb to your right. It's about doing all those things at one time. You know, if you think about it, in, in a general day, you make about 30,000 decisions. And that's not including what you're doing at work. That's just, you know, what am I going to wear this morning? Where am I going to go? How do I start the car? And you make one wrong decision in that 30,000, and it could result in an accident. So that's hard to prepare for. Yeah. Definitely. So do you feel that most Postal Service employees understand the importance of safety in their jobs and what can go wrong if they don't follow all the training that they're provided with? I do believe that. You know, everybody, what's that saying? You you live to, you work to live, you don't live to work. Yeah. And I think everybody's intention is to go home safe and sound each and every day. And if you think about it, we call it an accident. It's not an on purpose. Nobody is setting out today saying, you know what, I'm going to trip over that curb. Things happen, and it's how we respond to them and what we can put into place to prevent it from happening again that really is critical. But our employees are, are probably our best resource for identifying those hazards. We have safety captains out on the workroom floor. Uh, we have joint safety and health committees where we engage our union partners with our managers so that they can address whatever safety issues have come up in a particular facility. Fantastic. So talking about these accidents and uh what I would call an unknown. Let's take those aside. What are some of the more uh, regular health and safety concerns that, that you and your organization have to plan for regularly? Well, I would, I would say that our top three sort of causes of accidents are really our slip trips and falls, our dog bites, and our motor vehicle accidents. And if you think about it, that's what we're really spending the most time doing. You know, we're, we're walking through plants, we're, we're traveling the streets, whether you're on a walking route or you're in a vehicle. So that you're exposed much more to be able, able to trip and fall, whether it's a customer's sidewalk, whether there's ice on the ground, even leaves that are covering up holes. There's those kind of slip trips and falls. Dog bites are, again, a, a big concern. We've had almost uh, 5,400 carriers bitten by dogs last year. My gosh. And then, of course, motor vehicles. You know, we can control how we drive, but uh, you never know what the driver next to you is going to do. 
for some reason, that big white box seems to disappear <laughs> when they're stopped at a curb. So we have a lot of not only worrying about how we're driving, but how those around us are driving as well. So I know we've mentioned employee training. Do you do anything in terms of uh, customer outreach to residential customers in terms of advising them about the dangers of their dogs to the carriers or the importance of you know clearing ice and snow from their sidewalks and the walkways? We do. Um, it's it's a little harder to, to contact and reach out to every customer, but we do utilize the informed delivery platform. It allows us to send sort of um, postcards out in the mail and provide links that will give the customer some additional information. The most recent one we did was uh, for Dog Bite Awareness Week. And when you clicked on the picture in your informed delivery, it brought you to a cute little video to show your family and provided some tips and also some warnings on what would happen, you know, if it became unsafe for our employees to deliver to your house. In addition, you know, our operational partners have other things available to them. If a carrier talks about somebody's uh, front steps that we can't navigate to deliver to, they will send a notice to the customer and inform them that, you know, unless they make those repairs, they're going to have to come to the post office to pick up their mail because we're not going to knowingly put our employees in harm's way. I can imagine as we're approaching summer that the hot weather poses a significant challenge to many of our employees that are out every single day delivering the mail. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, weather is is a big concern because it's something that we can't control and we can't necessarily predict. Uh, We see heat illness uh, exposures pretty much across the country at some point all throughout the year. So even though we think about summer on the East Coast being from, you know, like June through September, those summer months and those high heat months vary as you go across the country. And we're everywhere. So heat preparedness is really a big aspect. You know, our employees are out in the sun. Our, our current vehicles, not all of them have air conditioning. You know, as we look to revitalize the fleet, we will be considering whether we can put air conditioning in. Some carriers don't have places for shade to rest or they're not inside and can cool off. And it, heat illness is a serious problem. But so is uh, winter weather, uh, flooding, hurricanes, wildfires. We see the gamut, and our employees are exposed to it and have no other recourse. You know, us, us regular office kind of workers, I can sit in my air-conditioned car to get to my air-conditioned office, or I can sit in my heated car to my heated office, and our carriers don't have that same opportunity. They're out on the streets every day going to every address. I can imagine that this is why the training is so important for employees to help equip them with what they need when they find themselves in these situations. Absolutely. And and when we talk about training, it really is more about awareness. You know, I can't teach you how to stop a heat illness from occurring, but I can teach you what the, I can talk to you about what the symptoms are, how to recognize that you're, you're in trouble and then what you should do to get out of that trouble. So it's, it's those kind of awareness campaigns that we're really focusing on. You know, slip trips and falls, I don't know what you're going to face on your route. But I can talk to you about, you know, some cl- quick ideas on how to avoid ice or how to use some engineering controls like cleats to make sure that you're more sure-footed. Ergonomics, you know, think about how many repetitive motions you do in a day. And then imagine a letter carrier or a clerk working on a machine in a plant. They have to do those motions. I can't navigate them out, but I can show you better ways to do it. I can explain to you how to recognize when maybe you need to take a break 
or to rotate to another activity so that you lessen the impact of those motions. It's important to know that this training is is not just specific to the Postal Service, right? There may be Postal Service position trainings, but a lot of these things like heat illness, dog bite prevention, that stuff's just important in general, whether you encounter it every day as a mail carrier or just once in a blue moon as as just a member of the community. So I, I personally, whenever we have to take the training, I always feel like I take something from it, even though I work in an office. Even the heat illness training when I go out and I'm spending time with family out in the sun, it can still come in handy. Absolutely. And I think that that's why our safety programs have been so successful, is even if you're not facing it at work, you may at home. You know, when when you're talking about electrical safety, you may not have control over the electricity in your plant, but what if you know not to hook two extension cords together, you'll check that out at home. You know, I sort of tease everybody and, and joke that my job is not really the senior director of occupational safety and health. I'm a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Wear your seatbelt. Don't put your finger in the electric socket. Don't lick lead paint. There's, there's sort of a, a common sense approach to safety, but it's a matter of getting that information to you and having it stick. Absolutely. So taking it back to the, to the regional aspect, with an organization as large as the Postal Service, uh, it encounters everything from you know heat to cold, floods, tornadoes, whatever it may be. And do you ever run into situations where you're getting recommendations from local groups as to, hey, I know you've sent out the stand-up talk nationally to give us tips on and training, but locally we're dealing with X, Y, and Z. We think this would be helpful to our neighboring you know, communities, neighborhoods, districts, whatever it may be. We most certainly do. Our best information comes from the boots on the ground. Our employees know what they're seeing each and every day, and they have ideas on how to rectify it. We get ideas that that range from how to modify equipment or vehicles from our employee base. Now, we do have national policies. So these new activities that may want to be done at a local level, we have to consider it on a larger scale. But if it is something that we can adopt and we can scope out to cover the country, we do. We also get like weird requests for like a stand-up talk that they want us to write on a topic that we would have never thought of. Um, the last one I think I saw was for bears. Ba- oh wow! Bears, bears, yes, wild was, animals. Yes, there was a there was a location that had a a bear population that was just moving into the city. So the carriers didn't know what they were supposed to do if they encountered a bear on their route. So we had to do, obviously, some research because I didn't know what to do with <laughs> a bear. Just, I would just run. <laughs> well, you don't want to run. <laughs> okay, there we go. I'm a goner. I think the bear runs faster than you do. <laughs> I'm a goner. Yeah, and you, you don't want to fight it either. I think he can take you. But, you know, it's, it's those kind of situations that we would not have known about if our employees didn't feel comfortable enough to bring those to our attention, knowing that we would do whatever it took to try to address that concern. We've talked a lot about the current state of health and safety at the Postal Service, as well as some historical information. But I would love to hear from you what you see looking forward as the future of health and safety at the Postal Service, especially as part of our Delivering for America 10-year plan. You know, I think really if in a, in a perfect world, we would have employees that felt empowered to play a bigger role in their own safety and in the safety of their coworkers. You know, the, the person that you want to hear most from about safety or to point out that you're not acting in a safe manner is your coworker, your peer, not somebody sitting in a building in Washington, D.C. Yeah. So the more that we get our employees empowered and engaged, 
and they feel committed to the workplace, I think that's really where we're going to start to see a, a big drop in the number of accidents. And even though, even if the accidents occur, they should be less severe because now we're noticing the rug that's curled and we're doing something about it. So even if you tripped on it, you saved Yasmin from falling and breaking a hip. You know, it's those kind of things that will have the biggest impact. And then also we play a big role in looking at our facilities. You know, there's a lot of in the Delivering for America plan that talks about optimizing delivery units and, and our plants. And we're playing a big role in ensuring that the equipment is in the right place, that we have all of our egresses, that we've got all the electric stops that we need, that we've got all the machine guarding in place, that we've got everything planned for when this occurs. We know that when we put an employee in that position, they know what to do and they know how to do it safely. So uh, let's revisit uh, one of the topics we touched on briefly. What can the public do to help mail carrier safety? We talked about you know shoveling snow and whatnot, but what are some other tips for the public? Well, there's really a lot that the public can do. You know, if you think about it, we're coming onto your property each and every day. Sometimes that's just driving up to a mailbox, so you can help by making sure it's clear. You know, on trash day, make sure your trash cans are not in front of your mailbox. And the reason for that is that it causes us to have to move our vehicle to a different location that we don't know is safe or not. We know it's safe when we've allowed you to put a mailbox in a particular location. If we're coming up your sidewalk, make sure it's shoveled, uh, de-iced, not cracked to the point where we can't walk through it in your front porch. Animals, big one, keep your dog in another room. Don't let them at the front door. You'd be shocked at how many of them can jump through screen doors and storm doors just to get to somebody. And you can't blame the dog. He's doing his job. He's protecting his house and his family. So, you know, that's another way. Sign up for informed delivery. If you know we're going to be coming to your front door because we have a package and it's not just going to fit in your mailbox, that gives you a heads up to put the dog in another room or to make sure he's on a leash in the backyard. You know, it's those kind of things that they can use together. That's a creative way of using informed delivery. I didn't think of that one. Yeah. We're big fans of informed delivery here on the podcast. (laughs) Linda, what have you found most rewarding in your career working in this field for the Postal Service? It's probably twofold. I think from a a professional standpoint, I'm most proud of the fact that I make a difference each and every day, or at least I have that opportunity to do it. And then from a personal level, I think I have a attention deficit disorder. So safety and injury compensation make sure that no two days are ever the same. I never know what's going to pop up. You'll have that bear talk, or you'll have a, a child who wants to put a snake in a mailbox. Oh, my gosh. It's it's entertaining at, at most, and especially when nobody's seriously hurt. And it, it gives me that opportunity to kind of flex my brain every once in a while. You must get a lot of great stories from the field. Absolutely. I can't wait to write my book. <laughs> Well, Linda, on that note, we want to thank you for joining the podcast and sharing all of this great information with our audience. Thank you, guys. I I appreciate the opportunity to really explain how much the Postal Service takes the safety of our employees seriously. Great. All right. It's time for Did You Know? This is a chance for us to share some interesting details about the Postal Service that most people probably don't know. Yasmin, would you like to take the lead on this one? Okay. 
So, you know, the Postal Service is always working on ways to deliver the mail more efficiently. Of course. But did you know that at one point that meant putting roller skates on office clerks? Uh, sounds like a fun way of speeding things up. How did that work? It does, doesn't it? With the introduction of the parcel post in 1913, offices in major cities needed to get creative in handling the increased volume of packages being sent. The Chicago Post Office actually supplied roller skates to clerks in its parcel sorting department to test their usefulness in speeding delivery. I'm imagining the old school diners, imagining getting somebody bringing me a milkshake. It sounds a little dangerous and risky for fragile items. Did they ever try putting skates on mail carriers? I'm not sure, but the Postal Service has experimented with some other interesting ways of transporting the mail over the years. In 1916, the Washington, D.C. Post Office started sending mail carriers out on autoped scooters. These were basically a really heavy, gas-powered version of the electric scooters that you see around cities today. You know what? I think I've seen a picture of that. Why didn't that work out? Well, probably because the autopeds didn't have a very long range and not much shock absorption. They were also impractical for carrying packages, which again was becoming a big part of the job in that decade. Did we ever try segways? They did, and they actually ended up being rejected for the same reasons as the autopeds. In the years between those two, they also experimented with motorcycles, as well as these little, funny-looking, three-wheeled vehicles called Mailsters. Mailsters served pretty extensively in the 50s and 60s, and were actually pretty successful, especially in the southern cities. Oh yeah, and they also tried missiles. How could we forget about rocket mail? In 1959, a guided Regulus-1 missile was launched from the submarine USS Barbero and carried 3,000 letters to the Naval Auxiliary Air Station in Mayport, Florida. This mail was then processed at the Jacksonville Post Office and delivered to various prominent people around the country and abroad. Sounds a little bit faster than the Pony Express. Yeah, probably. So... Since you're up on all these innovative mail delivery ideas, I'm sure you know about the underground mail system of pneumatic tubes that moved mail in half a dozen cities in the first half of the 20th century, right? Sure. Okay, but did you know that this was the idea of John Wanamaker, the legendary retailer and 38th Postmaster General of the U.S.? I did not. He's most well known for his department stores in Philadelphia and New York. That's where he pioneered the use of price tags and telephone orders. But he brought an equal passion for innovation to his tenure as Postmaster General, which started in 1889. In fact, some of his ideas are still in use today. Oh, that's interesting. Like what? One really prominent one is commemorative stamps. He issued the first series for the 1893 Columbian Exposition in Chicago to commemorate the 400th anniversary of Columbus's voyage. Congress believed they were unnecessary, but Wanamaker proved them wrong. People waited in long lines to buy these stamps, which had face values ranging from one cent to five dollars. In total, more than two billion stamps were sold at a value of forty million dollars. And commemorative stamps continue to be popular to this day. They sure do. Wanamaker was also one of the early advocates of rule-free delivery, which at the time was a radical approach to making mail delivery more equitable. Well, that does it for this installment of Did You Know? What did you think about our conversation with Linda? 
I have to say, the amount of details that go into Linda's job and just understanding national preparedness scares me. Specifically bears and wild turkeys. I would have never thought that we would have to prepare and help our, uh, help our employees prevent themselves from getting attacked by wild bears. But, you know, I guess it's a thing. I guess so. I, I never have experienced that in my day-to-day life. But <laughs> What about you? I really loved hearing her talk about how they use technology to make things safer for the carriers. The whole idea of the mobile delivery devices having the option for you to put in what hazards you're encountering on your route and you know where they're occurring, I think is, is really phenomenal. And it's, it's, it's a great way to share safety across the organization. Well, that wraps up this episode of Mailin' It. Don't forget to subscribe to Mail It wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss the next episode. And follow along on Instagram, at U.S. Postal Service, Twitter, at USPS, and on Facebook. <laughs>